0: Greg and Dax the football, we know you do too. So grab a cold one and listen. Escape with us for a few. Woo! Cool. Recording. Cool. clap, 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 <laughs> clap. And welcome to the Greg and Dax fantasy podcast. Uh, I'm Dax. I'm I'm Greg. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful Thursday afternoon on July 8th. Hi, everybody. We're we're back again. And uh, July 8th means we just had July 4th. Um, What did you do, Greg? Did you do anything good to celebrate America? America.
1: Ah, Celebrate America. Well, to Celebrate America, I did probably the most American thing you can think of, and that's go to my um, in-laws, who are Indian, and eat a bunch of Indian food. Um, so it was a really great 4th of July. We just, you know, sat on the patio. We had a new puppy out running around the yard and just uh, appreciated summertime. I don't know, nothing too uh, too spicy or too fun. Uh, what'd you do?
0: Well, that's that sounds, that sounds uh, the opposite of what I would expect, because you said you went to an Indian's home for for and you said nothing spicy so i would feel like it'd be <laughs> the opposite there.
1: there there was spicy things on the table nothing spicy happening outside of the uh the core food that we got
0: but it was good 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 yeah uh for july 4th we went to the i played golf um i probably threw my back out uh, <laughs> no. I literally went to a physical therapist yesterday. That's how that's how br- broken it was. <laughs> and my and my golf swing, I went to my instru- I've been going to see an instructor to try to 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 get yeah. better, like kind of expedite things. And I, I like and he completely changed my swing, like my grip on my swing. Nothing else in my swing, just my grip. And it and it was I found a lot more success with it because Jeez. which I'm happy about. However, uh, you know, I'm 31 now. And so my body's just beginning to fall apart. Like I'm starting to see the ball patch come in. I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting, my body's not feeling the same way in the morning. Yeah. Um, you know, the balls yeah. are hanging in the toilet a little lower than they used to. So, Hey, if it starts man. touching that water, that's when you got to bail out, right? That's when I got to bail out. That's when I need like testicle surgery to, uh, apparently that's a I don't even know if that's a thing, but I would get it. I would be the person to get it. Just go to go to the vet down the street and say, give me give me that about it. I don't want it anymore. Uh, But um, so, you know, that was good. And then I saw a physical therapist like right after like what is happening to my body? I need you to fix this. So, you know, uh, it's been fun. Getting older is being fun. But, you know, the opposite of being old is being young. And we have a lot of young talent to talk about today. (laughs) <laughs> that um, segue. How about people that other it. segue? The, give the people what they want. So um, I know that we wanted to touch on quite a few things. So let me punt it to you first. What do you want to hit on? Uh, and we'll go from there.
1: Oh, man. Um, well, I'll
0: save the story of, of my recent golf trip. I think you've heard it where it was just an absolute travesty. Don't, where... don't save it. Don't, don't save it. We we can talk about and kill Harry in a minute. Let's, let's hear yours. <laughs> this is hilarious, actually. No. Put me on blast. Uh, so... Um...
1: For the people out there, uh, I'm not a golfer, uh, uh, never golfed, uh, have never done nine holes, 18 holes, however many holes, uh, you need to do to be called a golfer. I've been to the driving range and can, uh, I do have hand-eye coordination and can hit the ball off of a, a tee into a hole or to wherever top golf tells me to hit it. But uh, as far as a round of golf, never played it. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got a call from my boss, uh, kind of a panicked call, um, apparently one of our customers has a annual charity golf tournament and uh everyone at my company apparently had forgotten about this charity golf tournament until literally about two days before uh, we were set to go and so i was nominated uh, mainly due to geographic location where <laughs> my house is about 30 minutes from the golf course where the charity tournament was and so um i cautioned i said you know what i uh, appreciate the invite never played golf don't own a set of clubs wouldn't know what to do out there, um, and then I was uh, promptly kind of reassured and said, "Ah, it'll be fine. Everyone's having fun. It's charity golf, whatever." And so, uh, long story short, we we show up. Uh, we were in a foursome, so it was me and three others uh, from my company, and uh, none of us had clubs. We were all showing up at this course, being like, oh, "We'll rent clubs. We'll be fine." And uh, we go to the, the the pro shop and said, "Oh, I'd like to rent some clubs, please." And the Pro Shop promptly laughed at us and said, uh, it's a it's a charity tournament. Uh everyone's renting (laughs) clubs because no one plays golf. And if you didn't have a reservation ahead of time, you're shit out of luck. Um, and so then we made some more panic calls and were eventually able to find one set of golf clubs. And so we had one set of golf clubs across the four of us. And so uh that was the start of the day. So we were we were feeling proud of ourselves. And so we we get out on the course. With the charity tournament we were assigned a caddy and so we had this great caddy His name wow was nick. you
0: had a caddy four awful golfers going out for the first time and you guys got a, a caddy shout out nick sorry you had to out deal nick. With that. nick uh 20 years old
1: he a junior at some college around here um and did not want any of our shit just <laughs> did not want to put up with this at all and uh and so we go out there with nick and uh first hole uh definitely a little rough we probably lost uh maybe about three balls on that first hole um, but it's the first one. You get it under your belt, and then you're good, you go on to the second. And so we go to the second, second one a little bit better, and we're like, okay, we're we're seeing progress here. we're We're hitting the ball, Good strikes, good connections, whatever you call them in golf, strokes <laughs> probably. Um, and we get to the third hole. Um, third hole, uh, one of my coworkers steps right up, she, you know, has her grip down, does a couple of practice swings with the driver. everything looks good. Uh, takes a big ass swing right into the green and the head of the driver just goes flying down the course and wow. <laughs> we were we knew then and there that we were we were done for um and so the rest of the afternoon the rest of the four hours it takes to do 18 holes of golf was us uh, uh taking all of the the course rules all of the house rules that the club uh, prescribes out to its players and violating each and every one of them um and we probably are banned from the entire sport of golf of ever playing again and we lost i think the final count across the four of us was about 15 balls in that uh in that 18 hole round of golf that we but you you
0: did not finish 18 holes there's no way
1: no we didn't we we gave up uh we made it 14 and then uh you know we kind of said hey nick uh, we're not really feeling it. Why don't we just go back to the clubhouse and get some drinks going? And Nick was very glad to oblige and said, absolutely, let's go. And yeah. so uh, that was my charity golf tournament that I'll
0: probably never be invited back to. So On the bright side, you got some golf experience, and I think you're ready to come uh, play with me. Like I'll be playing lefty. So I think that puts us about. <laughs> Between you and your old man back and me and my, you know, terrible
1: golf skills will be a great, Perfect. Yeah, we
0: will be will be great. Um, Okay. Well, speaking of terrible, uh, how about Nikhil Harry? Huh?
1: (laughs) See, I was going to segue from a sport that no one cares about, golf, to a sport that everybody cares about, NFL football. Um, Let's talk about Nikhil Harry. Yeah. So um, you mentioned young talent earlier, and Nikhil Harry, obviously, he's he's made it two years in the league. Uh, We'll see if he makes it a third. Um, That's kind of where it's going. And some news came out this week that um, apparently Nikhil Harry's agent uh, has formally requested a trade from the New England Patriots. And I don't think anyone is shocked by that. I think everyone had questions about this kind of fit and and where he would play coming in when they drafted him in the first round two years ago. And then certainly as we've seen him just not be used at all um, over these last two years, this is kind of the ending that we all saw coming. Um, and so he's requested a trade, and you know, I guess the question I have for you, Dakota, is: do, do you think he's still got juice? Do you think he's still got something left? And can he get traded to the Chiefs and be something? Can he get traded to the Rams?
0: And you know, like, what do you think about Nikhil Harry? I would say typically when you're granted as many opportunities to get on the field with as little competition as Nkill has in an offense that needs as many playmakers and as possible. Jacoby Myers
1: is a great wide receiver. You know, he, he could beat out the next Des Bryant, no
0: no problem. And that's what happened. Mm, right. So yeah, like I said, uh <laughs> and Kill Harry, like he also apparently I think the analytics something I read on Twitter was he, he finished like 99th out of a hundred last year or like the 99th percentile in separation and creating separation. So the the guy legitimately can't get away from anyone. And, and you could watch it. I watched some of the highlights actually because I had in kill Harry before I traded him for Chris Godwin. And like, I'll, I traded like a package of, like Jonu Smith, it was, a, Smith. It was, a, it was a great trade. Yeah, I traded like uh, two seconds, Jonu Smith, and and Kill Harry, and walked away with Chris Godwin. I'll take that all day. Yeah. Um, but it ended up that you know the analytics guys don't like and Kill Harry. They didn't like and Kill Harry before. They sure as shit don't like him now. And the separation problem in the NFL. He, he's not. He's big. He's a big wide receiver, but he's not like. Chase Claypool big. He's not Megatron big. He's not some gargantuan. Uh, he's not going to transition to tight end. He's too thin for that. In uh, fact, of the matter is if you can't beat out an undrafted free agent on a team that desperately needs playmakers, the writing is on the wall. He's done. Yeah. And he knew he was going to get cut. The rumor is he knew he was going to get cut. His agent put out this trade request knowing full well that he wasn't going to beat out, you know, Nelson Aguilar or um, uh, Kendrick Bourne. So, yeah. And, you, and he's not going to see time. He's just not, especially because you look at who they just, they just signed Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. They're going to come out of 12 personnel. Why the fuck is one of those four pass catchers going to be in kill Harry when he's basically a tight end? Like he's good. He's not going to take the top off. He's not going to draw any attention. They're going to stick a guy on him because he can't separate. And you're going to rely on an inaccurate quarterback in Cam Newton, or let's say Mac Jones, a rookie to just throw 50, 50 balls to a guy who's not that good. Uh, it just doesn't make sense, and even watching his highlights, like I, I'm not a big, I'm not a big person who harps on uh film. Uh, I, you know me, I'm not a film grinder. I don't love the film, but, nope. but, but uh, I'm more of a data numbers guy. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus fucking Christ! Like even watching it, I was like mortified. I'm like the only thing this guy can do is win a fifty fifty ball against like a nickel quarterback. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's really you know disappointing. You know, I I
1: think I, I don't think either of us were big Nikhil Ferry Harry fans uh, no. coming out. You know, I, I think obviously we got excited because he had that first round draft capital, and and at the time he was paired with a Tom Brady, and you kind of pay attention to that. Um, but yeah, it just it it's not gone well, and it and it hasn't. Like you mentioned, he he got outplayed by subpar wide receivers. But it wasn't even just outplaying. He He didn't get on the field. He, you know, as you mentioned last year, they had no wide receivers. I think Demir Bird led the team in snaps. And Jacoby Myers, as I mentioned, was also right up there. And that shouldn't happen if you have a first-round caliber athlete, wide receiver, whatever you want to call him, um, waiting in the wings. And so I, I, I'm not ready to give up, you know, two years out on, on a prospect like Nikhil Harry. But I do think it's going to be a different NFL journey because um, I don't think he's going to get traded because n- not that teams don't want to give any capital up for him, but he's got a first round contract tied to him. Why the hell am I going to pay Nikhil Harry multiple millions of dollars to be my wide receiver four or five? Um, I view it very similar to Laquan Treadwell. I view Laquan Treadwell as probably a, uh, a one-to-one example of, of Nikhil Harry where Uh, never caught on with his first team he got cut he's kicked around the league to a couple of other teams but never really found a role and and I kind of see that happening with Nikhil Harry um now if you tell me two weeks from now Nikhil Harry gets cut and he gets signed by those either those two teams I mentioned the Rams or the Chiefs uh I'm I'm probably saying oh Nikhil Harry steal the draft you know get him (laughs) on all your teams but um who knows? I just, uh, I think it's going to be a tougher road for him to make a, make a name of anything.
0: I don't think there's a team that I would, uh, that I would take and kill Harry if he went to, I look at it like a similar journey to Corey Coleman. Like he's, he will probably bounce, bounce around. He's not the same player. I'm not saying he's the same yeah, yeah, player. I think, the, I think the journey will be similar in that he requests, he demands. He leaves has a great college pedigree, um, no real competition when he does get there, doesn't win win the job anyway, uh, and really doesn't put up anything later in his career and bounces around. Um, and I'm sure he can get some good games. Like I think he'll, you know. But I think anyone, any wide, any player who gets the opportunity in terms of fantasy can have some good games if you put give him enough opportunity doesn't mean that they're good players doesn't mean that they can sustain it doesn't mean that you know they can take advantage of the hard matchups too so uh you know i really think it just comes down to he's he's done and it's it's a shame because like obviously i don't wish that on anyone to but you know he made his millions not everyone can hit it's just the way it works like this is a business there are only so many people so many spots new rookies and players coming in every year hey it is what it is you had a good run you made your money good for you
1: yeah, no, and I, I think you said it right, because that's important to, to note as well here. You know, this is a fantasy football podcast. So we're looking at players primarily as assets and thinking about, you know, what value can we extract from that player? You know, there certainly is a talent component to it, just as there is an opportunity component to it. But, you know, sometimes we say, you know, this bad player is in a really great opportunity. And sometimes there's a very good player in a very bad opportunity, and they make not as much sense from a fantasy perspective so you have to start divorcing actual talent from value um and that's the unique thing on fantasy you know needless to say uh nikki larry probably had no value a week ago now he's requested a trade still no value so keep him on your radar um you know again if he goes to a team that has a quarterback that can you know develop some trust with him throw up those 50 50 balls I think he is a, a really strong contested catch receiver and some teams operate off of that. But again, in, in, he will probably, you know, fade into, uh, his, his, uh, I don't know, gym teacher. What, what's the next step in Nikhil Harry's
0: career? Um, after listening, to kill Harry talk, I don't think it's going to be an NFL <laughs> analyst. So, uh, Yikes. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on to, a uh, a more talented wide receiver who probably has, you know, the opposite skill set who just who 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 literally can't keep a cornerback next to him. The guy literally if he was in a if he was in a, a jail cell with a 100 play people, he'd find some way to get away from him. We're talking about Jerry Judy. My God, that guy. You watch his tapes. You watch the film that they put out on Twitter. This guy is like a Twitter. Draw. He if he he would be a text tick tock star if yeah. the only thing he did was show his workout. So like truly like if I could just watch him blow by players and leave them in the dust on a cut. I'm going to watch that. I'll watch it every time. Dude, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, also I'm one to
1: watch, you know, one-on-one drills of a wide receiver versus a cornerback. That is probably the most unfair drill that you can do, oh, absolutely. And especially when you have a Jerry Judy or someone that just has the fastest feet in the world. They just make people look so silly. And and as you mentioned, a couple of videos came out this week where Jerry Judy was just chopping it up and making people fall over on themselves. Um, you know, Jerry Judy, as you mentioned, really, really talented young wide receiver. He's a wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, was drafted in the first round uh, last year in, in 2020. Um, he kind of had an interesting rookie season, and, and I think maybe we start there and kind of you know see where that takes us. Um, but the reason he's on our list to talk about today is a is, uh, friend of the pod, but he doesn't know it yet, uh, Rich Rebar, uh, Lord Reeves on Twitter, who's a really great follow if any of you are, are looking for some just inf- interesting stats and, and interesting kind of insights into – you know the game that we all love, but he put out some interesting stats on Jerry Judy. Um, probably the most interesting is that uh, Jerry Judy is one of the few wide receivers to not score any fantasy football points in the red zone. Um, he had uh, zero catches on seven targets in the end zone. Um, his teammate uh, Deshaun Hamilton, uh, who is probably not going to be in the league after this off season, uh, had more red zone targets last season um, than Jerry Judy. And that was also a season where probably the primary wide receiver on the Denver Broncos, Cortland Sutton uh, was injured all year. And so, you know, Jerry Judy, I say he's talented. You say he's talented. You know, w- what's going to have to happen for him to be a fantasy football asset. This is one of those scenarios I just talked about. We agree it's a talented wide receiver, but what, What needs to change in the opportunity there for us to really buy into him?
0: I look at him in a similar way as I look at DJ Moore in that it's not the most ideal situation. Uh, And now coincidentally, he'll probably have Teddy Bridgewater also throwing to him, um, which (laughs) doesn't necessarily translate to fantasy football success, unfortunately. He carried Robbie fucking Anderson, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Mike
1: Davis. Uh, um, yeah. uh, who's my? You know I'm talking about. He's on Washington now. Um, Curtis Samuel. Curtis, Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel. My dude. Yeah. He carried them last year, so maybe he does it for Jerry.
0: They had three top twenty-four wide receivers. Like shit. Say what you will, but if if I, I can see it happen, especially like I can see three top twenty-four players in the in between Noah Fant, uh, uh, Jerry Judy, and Cortland Sutton. I can absolutely see Noah Fant finishing the top eight. Cortland Sutton being, you know, wide receiver 20 and Jerry Judy being wide receiver 22. I could absolutely see that this season makes total sense. Um, You know, the, uh, the only problem there is uh, Melvin Gordon being such a stud. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry, Melvin. I'm just an asshole. Um, But, but I do think that that says a lot, especially now that Cortland Sutton's back, he was a rookie and it was a tough year. So I want to give him the benefit of the doubt but Jerry Judy was never going to be that red zone threat to begin with. Like I never looked at Jerry Judy as being, it's not that he couldn't be a red right. zone threat. It's not that it's just, that's not really his MO where he's going to be a guy murdering, you know, uh, uh people in the red zone. I just never really saw it, um, in See. the sense that he wouldn't be the one on like he, like I just don't like if you're between Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, I rather I mean, maybe, I don't know. We'll got to see how, with the shape he looks in. But between Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, that's a lot of guys, that's a lot of guys like who, and Javante Williams now, they're all really good in the red zone. They all could be really good. And there's no reason to just think that Jerry Judy's going to be the only guy to benefit in the red zone. Right. And and so
1: there's a couple. Of, one, I, I do disagree. With you. I think Jerry Judy could be a very fun red zone threat because I, Jerry Judy is in that Stefan Diggs area of just impeccable route running where, you know, give him a couple of years, I could very much see Jerry Judy being essentially a Stefan Diggs clone. And Stefan Diggs is great in the red zone Mm because, again, that footwork within three steps, if he can get you tripping over yourself, that's all he needs in the red zone. That sliver of separation to catch a slant or catch a comeback or something along those lines, he'll eat up cornerbacks all day long. That's fair. Um, but I think you did touch on a broader point. When you think about, you know, the team that Jerry is on right now, we're on a first name basis, uh, the Denver Broncos. <sighs> you think about the offense that that they want to run. You know, there's a reason why they paid Melvin Gordon way too much money. There's a reason why they drafted Javante Williams this year. They want to be a team that runs to set up the pass. And I think when you get into those condensed field situations, you know, 10 yard line, five yard line, et cetera, they're gonna put it in the I formation and run it down your throat. They're not gonna go four wide and give Jerry the space he needs to operate to be a red zone threat. And so I think it's, you know, gonna be tough sledding for Jerry in the short term before, you know, Denver fires their, you know, coach and and they get a modern offense in there, or he leaves Denver in free agency and goes to a more fun team. Um But I really like Jerry Judy. Um, Go ahead. Were you going to say something? Well, he
0: has everything. He has the, I mean, he really does have everything you want from a wide receiver in fantasy and dynasty or reader. He has the draft capital. He has another season in the league. He has the opportunity because every NFL team, you want two assets. You want two players at least to throw to, it makes, it makes life easier. Like there aren't really a whole lot of alphas out there. Like, Nuck, where you look across and there's really no one else there that that's a threat. Um, or Devonte Adams, like, or Mike Thomas. There are only so many of those guys. But really, you look at the the majority of wide receivers. Tyreek Hill has Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know Calvin Ridley had Julio Jones. Now Julio Jones has um AJ Brown, AJ Brown, has Julio Jones, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You know the best fantasy football assets. Typically, more often than not, it's okay that there's a great player across from them that doesn't hurt them in today's modern NFL. Um, so, you know, I don't think about the conversation as cannibalization, um, even though, you know, I said in the red zone, like there are a lot of options. It doesn't necessarily hurt him. It does, I just don't think it necessarily helps him. Like I don't look at him as, I don't think he'll ever be in the, the you know, have a season like Devontae Adams or Nook just had. But that doesn't mean I don't think he'll be, Uh, capable of putting up top, you know, 10 wide receiver numbers. Like, but I think he'll always at best he'll be in that five to 10 range. And where that's what the hope you get a quarterback, like you get a legitimate quarterback.
1: And again, you know, fantasy football. So we're, we're separating talent from the opportunity. uh, Right. You know, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, as you mentioned, kind of three top 24 assets last year were tied to him and the production he put into that offense. So it very much could happen. It could happen this year. Um, but it but it's going to be tough. I guess a, a similar question to that, when we think about fantasy football, and we think about the value of these different players, you know, if I look on fantasy pros and, and the average draft position ADP for uh, a half PPR league, which is kind of a you know, the, the new normal Jerry Judy's at wide receiver 38. That in my opinion, that's way undervalued, way, way undervalued probably by about 10 spots. Are you kind of in that same spot? And maybe if it helps, I can tell you some of the other wide receivers that are white right around him.
0: So in what, what, uh, he's wide receiver 38 in what form, what format? Cause I'm looking at PPR, half PPR. Half PPR okay. Yeah. So So he's wide
1: receiver 38. And just for the listeners, kind of who's around him. So wide receiver 37 is Brandon Cooks. Wide receiver 36 is Will Fuller. 35 is Robbie Anderson. 34 is Tyler Boyd. 33 is Debo Samuel. So that's kind of the wide receivers leading into Jerry Judy. Uh, Right after Jerry Judy, you have Jarvis Landry. You've got Devontae Smith. You've got Curtis Samuel. And you've got Antonio Brown. And so Jerry Judy, in my opinion... I would I would take him over Brandon Cooks. I'd take him over Will Fuller. I'd take him over Robbie Anderson. I'd take him... That Tyler Boyd is where it starts getting tough with me. You know, I, I probably would take him over Tyler Boyd. Um, but then when it starts getting into Jamar Chase territory, that's when I'd probably back off of Jerry Judy.
0: What do you yeah. think? Where are you at? Well, I see like DJ Chark, Robbie Anderson, uh, you know, um, looking here, Will Fuller, like you said, Brandon Cooks. Here's my thing, like, are any, is is Robbie Anderson gonna win me my fantasy football league this year with Sam Darnold? Nope. Is uh, is Odell Beckham Jr. going to win me my fantasy football league this year? Hey, no. We'll talk about I, him. Hey, let's hey. talk. Let's talk about him. Fine. No, I don't think he's. I think he's <laughs> done. I really think he's done. And it's, he's he's really really. He had such a great career, and he burned so bright, but the injuries piled up on him. The offense, Kevin Stefanski offense, is not lend itself to a fantasy, a, a top 10, top 12 fantasy wide receiver. just really doesn't lend itself to that because they run so many 12 personnel. They run so many run plays. They it, run play action. Eh,
1: eh. So Stefanski, you know, before he was at the Browns, he came from the Vikings, right? And if you think about the Vikings wide receivers – for years they were on with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs.
0: I think we've proven already how talented just those two guys are and how Stefan Diggs is better than Odell Beckham Jr. And maybe and now and when now. he had and, and when he had him, you could are like you can argue that Stefan Diggs is better than Odell Beckham Jr. is now, like when Stefanski had them. See, and pretty I, easily. I think my, if you're looking at Stefan uh, Diggs, Stefan Diggs under Kevin Stefanski, this is easy for me to say because it's the truth. Kevin Stefanski, when he had Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs is better than Kevin Stefanski's version of Odell Beckham Jr. right now. No question. I don't I have mean, a single question about that. That's
1: like saying who, who who would win in a you know one-on-one, the you know LeBron or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's just something that's not going to happen. But I, I think... I'm not throwing in the towel on Odell. And and I think it, it does touch on kind of our approach to injuries. And maybe we chat about that a little bit later today too. But I, Odell was hurt. He, he was hurt two years ago. He was hurt last year. He's been hurt. Um, people heal. And I think Odell has taken this time off and taken this time away from the game to really get his body right. And I think uh, there's some value to be had by getting him at this depressed you know draft position and then letting the off-season hype train take him to where he should be, which is, in my opinion, kind of a top-20 wide receiver.
0: Here's the problem. His, he's wide receiver 28, and that's – that's a, in PPR, that's, to me, you're, that's market v- price for him. Like, you're not getting a real value on him at wide receiver 28, especially when you think about his last two years. Like, last year, he played seven games. Let's say – let's just say it's half season. He had 43 targets. He had 23 receptions. It's not great. And maybe that's on Baker. Fine. Nonetheless, he doesn't, that doesn't, like Jarvis Landry doesn't have that problem. Jarvis Landry doesn't get for, like, only get catch half of his targets. Um, You know, so, and he doesn't, like, Jarvis Landry isn't better than OBJ, but he plays in a position that OBJ would probably be better suited for, and that pushes him out of a more fortuitous position, and that makes it tougher based on what they're asking Odell to do.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, we can probably parking lot the Odell conversation because I I don't think we're going to solve it now. But th- there's, you know, he he's a superstar, and and I don't think superstars in in what should be the prime of his career. He's he's 28 years old. Uh, they don't disappear. You know that talent doesn't go away. Yeah, injuries happen, and injuries can hamper. Um, you know the physical abilities. Um, I just don't think I'm not ready to throw in the towel yet on him.
0: I just don't think that he's capable at this point or he's in an offense that's capable of providing him double digit touchdowns like he was with the Giants because he won't do that. I don't think that. I just don't think if you're in the resident, I don't want to go to OBJ. I want to run the football with Kareem Hunter, Nick Chubb. I want to utilize play action get the ball to a bigger time. I want to leverage Jarvis on a rub like that's just, and I, and I don't necessarily trust Baker Mayfield either. I don't think that, he's an amazing quarterback for what OBJ needs um, with a deep threat and whatnot. And then I think like he's getting his he's getting 130 targets like 2018 he got 124 targets 2019 he got 133 targets. He barely turned in a thousand yards on those. It's not like he didn't get targets. It's not like he hasn't been getting targets last year. He was hurt, but still and he didn't really turn in great seasons a thousand eight and 77
1: but of, of, of think about what you just said. He's wide receiver twenty eight. You're not going to take a thousand yards from your wide receiver twenty eight. I absolutely will.
0: Like, I, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm saying I don't yeah. necessarily know that he's capable of that because of all the games he's missed. Like he played, he was healthy in 2019, and he only did ten. Uh, he only did a thousand and four touchdowns. Like that's yeah, that's a, what I expect from my wide receiver twenty eight. Like if that's my a, a low end. You know, wide receiver two, high on wide receiver three. Yeah, I expect a thousand yards, like, and and only okay. four touchdowns. That's why they're going there. So I just think you're paying market value for him. Yeah, and, and that could be the case. I, I, think and plus he likes to bad. shit on people, like, and get shit on, and that is, I mean, that's a fact. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Well, the, the only shitting he's gonna do is on your fantasy team when I uh, verse you I mean, twice this year.
0: All right, well, we'll see. No, Ooh. are we? Oh, are we, Listen, you know, my, I have a super. You know, I have a super team. You're gonna have to spend shell out some money and. and catch up that's that's why i gotta go mining find these uh underappreciated (laughs) assets here like odell i'm just gonna Um, hit them up on you no but uh but yeah no as far as wide receiver goes i I see your argument um you know in in the in light of another high draft capital wide receiver maybe we talk about we talked about jerry judy we talked about obj
1: yeah are we done on jerry judy you got anything else to say on jerry i I love i love
0: him super talented moving on i think he gets
1: a lot of flack though a lot of I don't know. I think on Reddit I see a lot of people talking shit on Jerry. I say don't listen to the haters. I think uh, it's a tough situation, but if you can get him for a steal, don't hesitate, pull that trigger.
0: So do, yeah. So you see, so you say don't hesitate on Julie, Jerry, Judy, pull the trigger. Don't listen to the haters. I agree. What about Brandon Ayuk? Because similar in a similar vein, he is someone who is getting a lot of flack right now. In the sense, again, from Lord Reeves who love Retriever, uh, he's a fantastic analyst you look at Brandon Ayuk, and you think, I hate that. I hate, Oh, there are a lot of mouths to feed. I think that's just ridiculous, but, but Brandon Ayuk did do some pretty, I would say unrepeatable things last year. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, no, it's, it's, I I think the San Francisco
1: offense as a whole is an interesting one to look at and kind of use that crystal ball to kind of, you know, predict and estimate what's going to happen there. Um, you know, if we think about the landscape, you know, last year, Brandon Ayuk he was a first round pick as a wide receiver. Again, love them, really get excited by those types of players. And he slots into a team at San Francisco that really needed a pass catcher. You know, Debo Samuel has been hurt probably more often than he's been healthy in his NFL career. They do have a really, really unique tight end in George Kittle. Um, they've got a stable of running backs that can do, some things good, but nothing really great. And so Brandon Ayuk really had a productive rookie year. Got a lot of people excited, got me excited. Um, but now when you look at San Francisco, as I mentioned, you know Debo Samuel, he's, he's coming back. He's healthy coming into the season. We'll see if he gets through camp. Knock on wood that he does and, and maintains that health. You've got George Kittle, um, who a lot of people have high expectations of. Uh, we've talked about this in past episodes. I don't think either of you or you or I are those types of people, but he, he is there. He's a definitely dynamic athlete. And then you've got Brandon Auk and you've got a, a series of other, you know, unique pieces that have been added to the offense, like a Trey Lance, a rookie quarterback, like a um uh a, they've got two rookie running backs along with a potential starter and Raheem Most or uh, why did I say it like that? Raheem I don't Mostert, know. <laughs> um who's uh who 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 are all gonna demand, you know, touches uh, targets, uh, and just, you know, components of the offense. But for Brandon Ayuk, as you mentioned, there was some interesting kind of analysis that Rich Rebar had done where he looked at his touchdown dispersal. And so overall, Brandon Ayuk scored seven touchdowns last year, five receiving, two rushing. His five receiving touchdowns were all within five yards of the end zone. So he had one with two yards out, three yards out, four yards out, and he had two more with two yards out that's very, very rare for a wide receiver. Um, but that's also indicative of the type of offense that Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers want to play. They have, there's a reason why we call it a West coast offense. It's the San Francisco 49ers offense. It's getting playmakers in space, doing rubs and other types of route techniques to free them up of their coverage and hitting them when they're open. And, and that's where Brandon new really thrived was within that five yard threshold of the end zone. Um, I mentioned he had two rushing touchdowns too. Uh, kind of ironically enough, those two rushing touchdowns did not come within any close distance to the end zone. That was from 19 yards out, and he had one from 38 yards out. And so Brandon Ayuk is really touchdown dependent, but touchdown dependent within that five-yard line. And you, like I said, you don't see that from a wide receiver. And I think the conclusion we can start to draw from that is to not expect that from a Brandon Ayuk. Especially with a healthy Debo Samuel, especially with a new stable of running backs, and with George Kittle, who's also sitting in that offense. Um, so I'll pause for a second. I mean, what do you think is of Brandon Ayuk as a as a young wide receiver prospect? And then what do you make of you know kind of how he
0: was able to score last year? I wasn't a big Brandon Ayuk guy for the when he was drafted. It, it wasn't that I didn't like him or didn't like his landing spot. It was just that I was a big Debo Samuel guy. George Kittle is George Kittle. Yeah. And so, you know, I, and again, like the malice defeat thing, we've said, I've shit on it already. You know, there are plenty of offenses that can support plenty of uh, uh, pass catchers. But the fact of the matter is, you look at those numbers, that's not going to happen again. That can't happen again. Like, just no one's going to have a season like that again. Um, so as far as what you're counting on, you kind of have to count on him to do something different and you're going to, and, and that scares me a bit. Um, when I look and, you know, to your point, you say they, they draft Trace Sermon, they have Raheem Mostert, Kittle is back. Samuel is back. There are pieces back there that, you know, maybe make his efficiency, uh, in terms of moving to a normal under you know uh, our normal understanding of how wide receivers gets targets and touchdowns that comes back um you know and so that maybe that helps his efficiency there but there's no question scoring two long touchdown runs and then five touchdowns within the four yard like within the five yard line that's not repeatable so i'm gonna have to change how i want him or need him to perform and then yeah. and and that scares me off when i look at who is going around him because we just talk OBJ. Like I don't think Brandon Ayuk's going to be the guy who's going to win me a fantasy championship. But if for whatever reason OBJ does go back to what he's capable of, he would. Um, you know, and again, like when I think about that, that's kind of how I, I I'm viewing these players. Now that being said, you know, he also you can argue that he also is the type if he does become that alpha dog that wide receiver one um, who who is as good as advertised? He's only 23. He's not exactly big. He's six foot. He's not exactly small. He could really get. He's capable of getting 100 and you know 20 targets, 130 targets. Um, but that's with the hope that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't terrible and yeah. that they move to Trey Lance sooner than later. So. Well, that's an interesting component to it. You know, I, I mentioned
1: kind of Trey Lance in, in my little diatribe, and and that's a very real real factor. And I think, you know, we, we kind of touched on this, I think, last episode too. When you have a rookie quarterback, what does that do to the rest of those fantasy assets that are in the offense? And um, J.J. Zacharyson, uh, late-round quarterback on Twitter, did some analysis in that regard um, and really kind of you know went into the San Francisco situation. And said that, you know, if Trey Lance uh, comes in and starts running that offense, it's going to be a very different offense than what was run from Jimmy Graham. Trey Lance is a running quarterback. Um, he is a quarterback that historically in college did not pass the ball a lot. You know, he had right. under 20 attempts a game, and his passes were largely to larger targets the tight ends and the uh, uh, large wide receivers. And so if Trey Lance comes in and they adjust the offense to account for his skill set as it is as a rookie in the NFL, I think things could get very bad for Brandon Ayuk uh, as well as the rest of the other pass catchers. I I think it's probably going to be funneled through probably George Kittle, um, and Debo and Brandon Ayuk are going to get the leftovers. And so I have a lot of concerns about going L in on Brandon Ayuk. And, and even as you mentioned, his ADP is uh, kind of wide receiver, I think 25 or something along those lines. Uh, that's a, a tough price to pay um when there's just a, a lot of red flags around what could happen for those pass catchers.
0: Yeah, and especially in a PPR league, I'm not counting on him to have 70 receptions this year. I don't think he's going to. Like I don't 75 receptions, I don't not with not with Kittle there. Like pencil Kittle in for 75, Pencil Debo in for 60, Pencil him in for in for 60 and then 60, 70 for both of those guys. You know, I just, they're also a run first offense that they win that way. They have a great defense. If they're going to win, it's setting up play action. It's pounding the ball. Giving the ball the most hurt and sermon—that's how they win. And, and and there's nothing wrong with it. They and they do. They do a really good job of winning, especially considering how many injuries they had last year. There were times where they looked like a better team than the record indicated. And I assume they go back to that. So it's also what they do. And to your point, Trey Lance, if he steps on the field, it's funny. Kyle Yates actually thinks that it helps Ayuk. I-, I think it hurts him. I, I think to your point, it hurts Ayuk. I-, I think it hurts all the pass catchers that aren't Kittle. Um, He's a, no, he's I, an athletic quarterback. You want, you like he, that also suppresses. We know this. It suppresses the the volume and it suppresses the value of the guys around him. When you have a quarterback who's athletic and uses their legs. Yeah.
1: Well, historically, you know, who knows, or so your right. could come in and, and break that, you know, that streak, but that's just historically what we've seen. And that's the best we can use to kind of, again, use that crystal ball to predict, um, the other thing I just want to make note of, I said, I had some kind of interesting insights on how George Kittle's historically been used in the San Francisco offense. And so while you have a Brandon Ayuk that has those five touchdowns, you know, two yards out, four yards out, et cetera, uh, George Kittle, uh, kind of world-class tight end, Uber athlete, Uber talented guy, uh, never scored a touchdown within the five yard line in his career.
0: He George has, Kittle uh,
1: never scored a five yard touchdown within his career he from within that 5-yard line. He has 4 touchdowns from exactly 5 yards out, but from 2-yard line, 3-yard line, never scored. And so again, who knows if this is a scheme thing, who knows if this is a luck thing. You know, maybe he's due for some regression and he'll have 10 touchdowns within the 5-yard line this year. Um, but it's another point to point out where San Francisco's offense is is complicated and it's different than other teams and what you think might make sense um, may not be what Kyle Shanahan calls on Sunday, um, so just want to make note of that.
0: that. I think that's that's a really good point. Is you look at these numbers and r- digging out a pattern of them seems really difficult, and it's not that there's not value to be had in it. It's just it may make predicting it and counting on it really tough. And in those middle rounds, you're you're really not going to win when you're trying to find consistent value by banking on sporadic. Uh, uh, sporadic production. So, um, you know, I'm I'm not taking a lot of 49ers. I'm finding it's not that it's not that I don't think that I want them. I'm not trying to say like don't draft 49ers. Instead, I'm saying I think there are guys around then that are going around then that I rather have because I feel more comfortable making sense of their situation and and predicting how they'll perform week to week.
1: No, I'm with you. The the only one that's that's constantly on my watch list as I'm going through some of these early drafts is is Debo Samuel. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of Debo Samuel. I just really enjoy how he plays the game. I think he's really fun to watch, and I feel like everyone has you know that that Groundhog Day syndrome where they've forgotten how good he is, and he's way way down. He's he's actually kind of right next to Jerry Judy where they're getting drafted, and I view him as the wide receiver. If
0: I'm going to have any, it's going to be Debo Samuel over Brandon Ayuk. His value is, I mean, my constant motto is if there is a muddied situation, take the lowest priced asset. And yeah. right now it's Debo Samuel at wide receiver 35. Hell fucking. Yeah. To, to, to quote, you know, stone cold, Steve Austin. <laughs> and, 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 you know, cause I know Kittle loves him and loves wrestling, you know, hell yeah. Hell uh, Yeah. Right, and there's probably yeah, a brother the at the receiver, end of that, right? Yeah, yeah, Bro, brother. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> uh, you know, uh for all my Hulkomaniacs out there, Debo Samuel at wide receiver thirty-five is a is a goddamn steal. So you can't go wrong. Um uh, moving along, because I think you know, we're coming up on the end, and we of course we have to get to our wide receiver tweet of the week. Courtesy of you this week, Greg, because oh, it's, I your, love it. it's your love. It's a boy. I want to talk about um this here is interesting your approach to injuries let's let's chat about that um you know help me understand what you're thinking of what what this tweet is about this is edwin porous from did well you, ed uh I, I i don't uh he he's
1: at FB injury doc on Twitter, if you all are interested. Um, but he's a he's a he's a PT. Um, he probably knows a thing or two about uh, golf swings. If you want to ask him any questions, Max. Um But he does some really interesting analysis uh, specific to fantasy football, and he um, put out a couple of tweets uh, a couple of days ago, really on the, what injuries are red flags uh, when you are drafting, when you're evaluating players, and what injuries uh, have an acceptable amount of risk that you can afford to take on. And so he put out a simple list of, of do's and don'ts. And so maybe what I'll do is, is I'll just kind of say some of the points that he made in this list and then kind of get your opinion on it too. And I think more broadly, we can chat about our approach to injuries. Cause I do think between you and I, I probably tolerate injury risk, uh, quite a bit more than, than you do. Um, so, so Edwin says, Dr. Edwin, probably, uh, he says, uh, don't, Trade for players with a high ankle sprain in season. Um, don't start players one week off of their hamstring injury. Don't fade players who have missed uh, less than or equal to uh, four college games. And don't trade for players off of a massive injury and or low draft capital slash athleticism or going into one of their older seasons. So essentially they're, they're kind of aging
0: so aj so A- that's his, A- A- aging
1: green aj A- yeah. A- 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 green <laughs> there you go aging green i love it yeah. um and so that those are his list of don'ts so maybe we'll stop there so of those don'ts i i think he's right on um high ankle sprains are bastards um we've seen them time and time again take down running backs and then or wide receivers for that matter or tight ends any skill player and then what tends to happen is players try to come back from those injuries more quickly than they should. And they'll re-aggravate it, they'll tweak it again, and it'll just, that that those are the types of fantasy performances where they play, you know, half of a quarter and then they're out the rest of the game and you're sitting there looking at your lineup, you know, cursing their name. Um, so that's definitely one to avoid, uh, those high ankle sprains, specifically within the season when they're rushing within a five-day period to make it back for the next game it's a really tough situation. Um, the other one he, he notated is the hamstring injury. And I agree, that is another one where hamstring injuries really, really affect fantasy output. And players right. that are banged up have a bum hamstring that are looking to come off of that hamstring injury. What he's recommending Dr. Edwin here is uh, see it first. Don't start them the first week that they're back. See that they're healthy. See that they're able to handle a full workload and then start them. But give them time to heal, give them time to show that they've healed. Um, the other two, um, we'll see. Uh, I, I, I view the, the high ankle sprain advice and the hamstring advice as, as the key points to hone in on there.
0: Well, so I think about this, and let's talk about the the dos too, because I'm thinking about specific players and who I want to you know suggest to our you know, listeners who I think are values and who we should
1: be adding. So, so I'll go through the dues, and then we can hit that list. So, so his list of do's. Um, do trade for players that have had AC sprains or MCL sprains within the season. So essentially separated shoulder or light knee tweaks. Um, do trade for studs that are off of a massive injury in, in dynasty, um, which is obvious. That's kind of the Odell Beckham situation, potentially. <sighs> no, it's not,
0: <laughs> but <go ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> um, do
1: trade away players that are obviously struggling off of a high ankle sprain yeah. only at the right value. And then he says, do use previous concussion within one year as a tiebreaker on if you're going to take a player in a trade that's potentially in the same tier as other players that you're evaluating. And then his final due is to fade aging players that have multiple surgeries on the same joint or joints. Um, For instance, the example he gave was Todd Gurley in 2019, Edelman in 2020. And so those are his list of dues. Maybe real quick, the ones I'm with is I do trade for studs. If I can get a a, stud, a stud. And Odell Beckham, uh, no, but, you know, a top five player at their position that's coming off of a, of a ACL tear or some other significant injury, um, I'm buying that discount. You know, there's very few occasions where you get those players, quote unquote, on sale. And these days when there are ACL injuries and other major injuries, more times than not, players are able to recover from them and achieve the same level of, uh, of dominance and output that they had prior to the injury. So I'm with him on that. I'm also with him on um, if players are not healing from minor injuries like a high ankle sprain or even a hamstring injury, I'm pulling that parachute cord. If there's still value there, um, still a name brand that I can capitalize on, I'm I'm sending those offers around because I don't want any part of those nagging injuries because then it becomes a, a game of, should I start this player? Should I keep them on my bench? And then you're, again, looking at your lineup, cursing that a player that you didn't have confidence in starting... Uh, put up 28 points, or maybe you started him and he left in the second quarter. Um, So those are the dues that I really hone in on.
0: So I think the, 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 the best takeaway here would be to go through and leave those players who would fit that. So for example, Mike, Mike Thomas, Mike Thomas suffered from a lot of those high ankle sprain injuries last year and, and yep. kept getting hurt. He's someone who we both have talked about already. We're targeting. He is an easy, easy target. Kittle, another one. He even came back towards the end of the year. Uh, and that was another issue that we had seen was the ankle. And he ended up coming back. Um, hamstring, I think. Or, or Well, hamstring would be. um uh uh why can't I remember now one second I'll no, worries.
1: no when when you're th- thinking of that so some other ones that i'll I'll touch on as well right so you know a great example was Nick Chubb last year um Nick Chubb suffered right. one of the I, I think it was an a- MCL injury on his knee and he was out for a, a few weeks but he came back and he came back at the same level that he had uh thrived at earlier in the season. And so that, that's an example of, you know, don't discount just an MCL injury, or matter of fact, seek out those players. And if you can afford, just sit them for a week or two. Absolutely do it. Um, the other one in that same regard that I'm curious of your take on is, um, is Dallas Goddard. He was doing uh, quite well, had an ankle injury in the beginning of the season, and then he came back and he showed that he was healed from that ankle injury. And for the folks that were able to pick them up during that time, they got value. They got a steal. Uh, And so that's really the name of the game is knowing when to pull the trigger, knowing when to seek out these types of players and what players should you seek out and what players should you just say, you know what, I'll I'll look at them next year when they're healthy.
0: Well, I think Debo Samuel is someone we just talked about who fits that. He had a hamstring injury last year uh, that kept him out. He had a foot injury early on that kept him out he's someone who I'm, I'm targeting pretty consistently uh, going back to our point before Kenny Galladay. He's someone who I think we've talked I about. Mean, he got his injury solved by those money bags. That was his pro- He pulled a Blake Griffin on the lions, I mean. <laughs> which is interesting because I don't necessarily want to seek him out, but I think it has suppressed his value to the point where I'm, if I'm struggling for a wide receiver too, and I'm at, you know, a turn or I'm sitting there and I'm looking and Kenny Galladay is the best wide receiver on the board. I'm pressing go. I'm okay with it. Um, You yeah. know, it, like I, I would take Kenny Galladay over Brandon Ayuk in a heartbeat and they're going pretty similar. He's wide receiver 24. Ayuk is wide receiver 26. Juju's wide receiver 27. Odell's wide receiver 28. I probably okay with going Kenny Galladay over all of them. And I like that he's value. He's ranked ahead of them. Um, Someone who I think that we, you know, the injury bug kind of hit on and we're talking aging assets, but <sighs> Adam Thielen might be a sell. Like even he's at 30, he had 14 touchdowns last year. That touchdown rate is absurd. The year before he was hurt, he was banged up. <sighs> And they're in an offense that I think they're going to want to run the ball more. We've talked about this, like, you know, that tomato of a head coach, Mike Zimmer. He doesn't want to pass the ball. And he there's someone there who's excellent in Justin Jefferson. Apparently, Justin Jefferson, I was looking at analysis that he was actually, in terms of alphas, he was better than people actually even think he was last year in terms of what they were throwing at him on the field. So I love it. Adam Thielen someone who I'm fading hard that I don't want a part of. I am too, and I think what it comes
1: down to is do you want to be a year early or a year late, you know, because yeah. you're going to be one or the other. Um, and and I see those signs with Adam Thielen sh- uh, slowing down, but I also see his game translating well enough. You know, he is someone that never won off of just broad-based athleticism. And so if he loses a couple of, you know, points of a second in his 40 or if he loses a couple inches in his vertical – I don't think that's going to destroy his game the same way it might someone like an AJ Green. Um, I just look said, at,
0: yeah, yeah, I just look at, uh, I just look at players going around him and what's you know T Higgins, OBJ, Kenny Galladay, you know, like I think about T Higgins, Cortland Sutton, Chase Claypool, those are guys that the right break happens, they would tran they could transcend to a wide receiver one. Yeah. Those guys, can- I don't think Adam Thielen, especially at fourteen touchdowns, that's not going to happen again. No, and I. I mean, well,
1: never say never, because Adam Thielen, I feel like, is always one of those players who I'm playing in matchups, and I'm like, oh, I don't got to worry about Adam Thielen. I got like a 22-point lead, and then sure enough, on like a Monday Night Football, Adam Thielen goes off for 17 touchdowns in one game or something ridiculous, and I think he still will have that in him, but I think you're going to lose the consistent production that you're coming to count on with Adam Thielen This probably this year. Uh, We might be a year early, but it's coming. You know, that cliff is there.
0: Yeah, that's and that's fair. I, I mean, it, the cliff's coming. Get out early is our suggestion. Um, you know, let's get in on our wide receiver tweet of the week because we're at fifty-five minutes already, and I I think yeah. we could we could wrap up because um, you know I have physical therapy in my back. I'm an old man. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, let's let's do our wide receiver tweet of the week. Who, who is it, Greg? Give the people what they want. All right. So the wide receiver t- 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 tweet of the week
1: tweet of is, the week is is being supplied by. Uh, None other than, you know, patron saint of the podcast, Elijah Moore. Um, And Elijah uh, put out a great tweet on July 6th. um, And his wise words to, uh, to leave you all on is that once you filled with anger, you are blinded. You might win now, but negative energy always going to come back. Don't make no deal with the devil. Remember, the devil was once an angel. And that's ben. Elijah Moore at E underscore Moore 03. A, 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 a little tangent here. His his username, E underscore Moore 03. Was he born in 2003? Are we that old?
0: No, he, he could happen. He, no, he, he can't be. That would make him 18 right. years old. He was
1: born in 2000, though.
0: Yeah, but I mean he's not 18. That yeah, would be yeah, 2003 he's not 18.
1: But we're getting there, man. We're getting there. We're like kids are going to be coming in the NFL the same year I graduated
0: high school. That's I'm like, quoting. I'm quoting Hulk Hogan and I'm talking about how my back hurts and how my balls hang in the water and I'm balding. Like, yeah. Yeah. We're we're <laughs> fucking old, Greg. We're in it, man. Ugh. Uh. Nice I understand swell. what you're going through, AJ. I'm sorry, AJ Green. I know what you're going through now. <laughs>
1: I need to cut myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, we'll leave you guys on that. You know, Elijah, you know, he made me come turn to terms with my own mortality here. Um, and he left me with the wise words that I need to remember that the devil was once an angel. So thank you, Elijah. Love you. Um, excited Greg, to see where can they, Monday. Greg, where can they find us? Uh, they can find us in a couple different places, some actual new places too, that we can talk about. So, um, of course you can always find us on Twitter, um, at Greg and Dax pod. Um, You can find me on Twitter, um, at Greg Dobbs. Um, You also now can find us on Instagram. Um, Same username there, um, at Greg and Dax Pod. Um, We don't know quite yet what we're going to use Instagram for. It might be something fun, but so go ahead and and get in early there. Um, And then as always, if you have questions, if you've got comments, um, we haven't yet had a listener question. So if you want to be our first listener question, feel free to email us at Greg and Dax pod at gmail.com. And we'll read your question on the air. We'll respond to it. Um, you'll probably be smarter than
0: us. It, it'll be a great time. That's it. That's our show. Thanks everyone for listening. And uh, thanks Greg for, for having another great call. <laughs> yeah, course, brother. Yeah, yeah, brother. Yeah, brother.
1: All right. Have a great week. I'll talk to you later. Bye everyone.
0: Dragon Dacks love football we know you do too so grab a cold one and listen escape with us for a few Woo!